Well, to you, brothers and sisters, who are given the precious faith through the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you must know, and I should tell you, especially after last week's gospel about adultery and murder, that the law and the prophets have an end. And we hear that today, that Moses and Elijah have an end, that the greatest and eternal glory is found in Jesus Christ, that because God spoke to Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, that high place, the gospel was given to them. And because Jesus called them back down from the mountain, down into uh, daily life, to preach this word, well, the word has gone out. And because of the Holy Spirit, now it has come to you by the grace of God. For you are forgiven your sins. And despite all of your attempts to find glory and to be righteous by your own hands, now you are made righteous by Christ's hands. And this is a true righteousness, a bright righteousness. In his light, you are made righteous. In his death and resurrection, you are made perfect. Amen. Now, I do love a good view from a high place. And I bet you love a view from a high place as well. I can tell you that as Aaron and I have begun to look at a few houses around town, and by the way, our house in Rochester has sold, and so I thank you for your prayers for this. But as we've looked at a few houses around Sioux Falls, the ones at a high spot, the ones on a hill with a bit of a view, well, they are especially attractive, especially if the view goes to the west. And I can just imagine, of course, watching the sunset in the west. So it's, a nice, uh, it's a nice thing to, uh, to imagine. But, or also the thunderstorms rolling in in the summer. I can imagine that as well. We like high places with views and it sounds like it was no different in Jesus' day. For here on this transfiguration of our Lord Sunday, in the Gospel of Matthew, we hear of Jesus going up to a high mountain. And he's not alone. He brings Peter, James, and John with him. And as we hear this, and as we heard our Old Testament reading, there are overtones of the story of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, or Elijah going up to Mount Carmel and defeating the false prophets of Baal. But I want you to know that here in the transfiguration today, God is preparing to accomplish much more than just handing down the law a second time. Here he is telling you exactly where glory and righteousness are to be found in eternity, and that is in his son, Jesus. So once Jesus and the three disciples get to the top of the mountain, Matthew tells us that Jesus was transfigured. This is uh, the word that shows he was changed his face shone like the sun, Matthew says, and his clothes became a dazzling white. Now, living in a snowy region in the winter now, you can maybe recall the brightness of the sun reflecting off the snow on a bright sunny day. We may get the pleasure of this yet this week again. And when you go back in the house, it's hard to see anything. I'm finding that in my, as I get a little older, that the, uh, it's harder for me to see things especially coming in from the bright sun. So it must have been for the disciples as they saw Jesus transfigured, and they were impressed. This is impressive, of course. But the spectacle of the transfiguration was not over yet, for there suddenly, Matthew says, were Moses and Elijah. Of course, they had died long ago 
But there they were, and talking to Jesus at that. These were the MVPs of the Old Testament. Perhaps it would be kind of like if you were at the gym working out, and there right next to you appeared Patrick Mahomes, MVP of the Super Bowl. And then maybe Fran Tarkington on the other side of you, just to keep Vikings in the conversation, uh, and that they wanted to work out with you. Well, you might just want to stay there for a little while or, and, uh, and, and uh, drink in the moment. Eh, maybe you're tired of football by now. I, that, that would be okay, and you're more interested in American history. It would be kind of like if you were hiking to the top of Great Bear Mountain, and uh, once you got to the, uh, to the very high summit, uh, there, well, appeared to you President George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. That would be pretty incredible. And, well, because it's President's Day weekend and because we're in South Dakota, if around the next bend were uh, Thomas Jefferson and, uh, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt, all of them uh, wanting to be in conversation with you, talking history and politics with you. Well, that would be a day to remember. And you might want to stay up there a little while and enjoy that moment. Well, so it was for Peter, James, and John with their heroes of the Old Testament. And so taken was Peter that he suggested to Jesus at that very moment that it was very good to be here. He says, it's good to be here, Jesus. And that he would get to work right away building uh, shelters for the three of them, for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Because once you have a great view, you want to hold on to it. You want to build a house there and stay a while and add a little Old Testament celebrity. Well, this looks like home for Peter. This is Peter's plan. What a great place to stay. And we are much like Peter in this regard, aren't we? We want our mountaintop experiences to last forever. I can remember my first year of college out at Montana State University. I did a lot of skiing that first year, and there was a lot of snow in the mountains that spring. The guys in my dorm, as we were uh, getting ready to go home after uh, that second semester, we were talking about what summer plans looked like, and there was one of the guys who was a really good skier, he had long, scraggly blonde hair, and he was telling us that his plan was to hike up into the mountains with his skis. He'd just gotten a new sleeping bag. He was going to dig a cave in the snow and stay there all summer, skiing until the snow melted, and hike after that. Well, I thought to myself, that sounds pretty awesome. My plans, conversely, were to go back to Moorhead, Minnesota, flat of the, of the flat places uh, where we start thinking we're in the mountains once we hit Valley City, driving west. And I was going back to a job on our scrub crew of our school district. And on the scrub crew, we worked to clean all the schools in the school district. And we were each issued one brand new, at the beginning of the summer, paint scraper to scrape all of the gum off the bottom of the desks. This was my summer plan. And I was thinking, I think I have made the wrong decision here. Uh, I don't think I ever remember seeing that guy with the long, scraggly hair again the next year, come to think of it. Uh, it is true that we want our mountaintop experiences to last forever. But this is not God's desire. It's not God's desire that we set ourselves apart on a high mountain retreat, maybe to study the law and the prophets or, or the powder uh, and the hiking trails, to perfect ourselves, to find our light so that maybe one day we can shine brighter too. Now, I grant you that actually sounds like a 
a pretty nice, appealing dream to do these things, and there is no end to the programs and schemes out there in this world that promise just such a future of self-improvement. But God has something else in mind for you, and that's what we hear on Transfiguration Sunday. And so Matthew tells us that while Peter was still speaking, dreaming, casting his vision of what life was to be like on the mountaintop, a cloud rolled in, and a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And despite all of the visual fireworks, the, the brightness of Jesus' face and the clothes, the appearance of the two Old Testament greats here in God's voice is the heart of our transfiguration. And so in one second, Peter is waxing eloquently about his vision of self-realization. The next second, he has fallen to the ground along with James and John, overcome by fear. And self-realization melts in the true realization that he and his dreams were no match for God's will. God, God had something better for him. And in that moment, Moses and Elijah disappear, and there is only Jesus. Jesus alone is with them. And first he touches Peter, James, and John and tells them, do not be afraid, get up. And then Matthew says that Jesus orders them not to tell anyone about this until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Well, we, like Peter and James and John, are still enamored with the high places in life, whether they be geographical or experiential. They, along with the law and the prophets, will have their end, we learn today. God's will is more than geography and experience. It is that we hear his voice, his word, his son, who has no end. God's will for you today is that you hear the voice of your Savior, Jesus Christ, with whom God the Father is well pleased, which means that when Christ has you, and Christ has you now in his word, it means that God is well pleased with you. And while Jesus ordered the disciples not to tell anyone until after the Son of Man had been raised from the dead, now I must tell you that Jesus has been raised from the dead and for your sake, which means that you are forgiven. It means that you too and those you love in the faith will be raised from the grave. So what is there to fear now? This is better than a high mountain. This is the promise of God for your sake. In this good news, you are set free. And in this good news, we truly have the high life. Better than any mountain, better than any view, better than any celebrity meeting, even better than spending the summer living in a snow cave, hiking and skiing in the mountains, if you can believe that. This Christ now is God's son, and God is pleased with him. So on account of his death and resurrection, God is pleased with you, for you are his. Amen. Amen.